Hello, it's Paul Scott here, commentator and investor in UK small caps. And of course, I've written the Stockopedia.com small cap value reports in my 11th year now. So welcome to my podcast. I've been asked to state the date so uh, so people know it's the latest version. So this is episode four of 2023 and I'm recording this on Saturday morning, 28th of January. 2023. Right, launching straight into Monday's report, fairly quiet. Saga, there were weekend reports that it was going to sell its insurance underwriting subsidiary. Now, the important thing here was it's keeping the bulk of its insurance business, which is retail broking. Um, And I think it looks fairly good that it's looking to sell the underwriting bit, which obviously carries some risk. And um, hopefully uh, they'll get a good price for that. So I I didn't see any particular reason to panic on that. Next, uh, Graham looked at the pay point and appreciate merger, which seems to be going ahead. I think that's been voted through. Uh, approved by shareholders, yes. We think pay, both Graham and I think PayPoint's pretty good. Nice value share, cash generative. Uh, Dignity, another, uh, this is a recommended cash offer, has been raised again to £5.50. My views on this stand, I think, that the fact that management had been negotiating with a serious bidder for in total now four months and only very recently announced it to the market is an absolute outrage. Nobody's suggesting that companies should have to report every sundry takeover approach, no matter how spurious. That would be ridiculous. But to actually be in serious negotiations with a major credible bidder uh, and not to tell the market and shareholders, I think is 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 absolutely outrageous. You know the takeover panel rules are completely inappropriate because there's been a false market in that share for three or four months, and anyone who's sold uh, basically got fleeced. They've sold at too low a value because they hadn't been told that the company was negotiating actively negotiating um, um, a, 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 a premium takeover bid cash takeover bid so anyway i'm glad to see the back of dignity because it's horribly overgeared and um it just didn't work having it as a as a listed company graham looked at tiny build um an independent games company now intercede i looked at this one of my old favorites igp um materially head trading statement now, I think this is for financial year March 2023. Uh, I think a lot of that is down to favourable Forex because it sells or very largely in US dollars, but its costs are here in the UK. Um, <clears throat> so that might be a bit of a one-off there. I don't know. Uh, encouraging pipeline, though, they said. And I think I think it's had a nice step up. The interesting thing is with these type of shares, they do a vertical move. Uh, Intercy's done two of those. It's actually recouped now nearly all of the losses in the share last year. So the issue, I think, is this shows if you're not in a share when some key news comes out, you miss the big gains, don't you? Uh, whereas the moves down tend to be a sort of gradual grinding move down. And often, if you want to buy back into these things, there's not not the liquidity to buy in any size. So I think there's a lot to be said if it's a fundamentally good company just taking the pain during a bear market and shutting the share certificate away in a bottom drawer and forgetting about it. If it's a good, solid, decent company, it'll come back. Uh, I also looked at Audio Boom. Now, the market cap there has only, going, it only has dropped a hell of a lot, down to only 69 million. Trading update. I've got amber on it, so um, kind of neutral. I think um, 
Now, I didn't like this announcement at all. They cunningly concealed a profit warning, as I've put here. And it was a profit warning. They'd missed the 2022 figures significantly, um, but then obscured that with upbeat commentary. And it seems to have fooled people because the share price barely moved. I do think it's coming into reasonable value territory, though, audio boom. And kudos to management who've turned around a previous absolute basket case. And with it being US-based predominantly, you never know. Somebody might buy, might, might make an offer for it. So... Um, uh, I don't see a lot of appeal to audio boom, I have to say, because obviously ad revenues are under pressure. But um, you never know, in the next bull market, it could do quite well. Lots of interesting reader comments on Monday as well. Thanks for those guys, much appreciated. Wednesday was a really busy day. We covered 11 companies. I did three overnight the previous night before from the backlog. Um, <coughs> so looking at those first, Everyman Media, this is a uh, E-M-A-N. This is uh, an independent cinema operator that has sort of comfy sofas and tables with waiter service, which I think is a nice format. I haven't been to one yet, actually, but I must I must try a mystery shop one. Now, uh, it, had, it says ahead of expectations for 2022, but the 14.5 million EBITDA turns into a small loss before tax because there's a huge depreciation charge with this business. Uh, now, it is saying it expects good film launches in 2023, but I just question the business model. What is the point in spending all this money fitting out these um, nice, comfy cinemas and then not actually generating a return on the investment? So I don't, I don't get it. So um, every man's not for me. But it's not particularly bad, so I've just rated it amber. Uh, what I have, moving on next to In The Style, ITS, I'm red on this one. I think the shares are worthless. Uh, it's now trying to sell itself before I think it's inevitably going to run out of cash and go bust. I wouldn't... <coughs> it's one of those things now where it's just a, a gambling chip for people who want to play around with it before it uh, inevitably, I think, delists. So it hasn't worked. I would just forget about it. We've never liked that one. It was just a copycat, me too type of fast fashion business. And it's now making heavy losses. Forget about it. Colfax I looked at. C-F-A-X, I think that one is. Now, I'm green on this. Uh, Really strong H1 results, which were actually out yesterday, uh, which is Monday. Uh, Lovely balance sheet. Broker raises full year forecast. It was guiding heavily down. Um, for 2023, because um, I forget what the year end is. Maybe it's, is it April? Can't remember. Anyway, um, but it now turns out they're doing better than expected. So um, the forecasts have been raised. But it does say, uh, quite interestingly in the Outlook comment, be careful because a slowing top-end housing market tends to feed through with a 6- to 12-month lag to deterioration in their trading. So I thought that was very interesting for read across to lots of other companies. Uh, It did um, put a a spurt under Sanderson Design Group, SDG, which is one of my top picks for 2023. I don't hold any personally, but wish I did. I I think um, SDG is a very good long-term one. Uh, What else do we have? Now, Saga came out with a trading update for financial year January 2023. I thought this was reassuring. It was one of the classic glass half full or glass half empty updates. Um, I think what you can say about this is it says broadly in line with expectations. And actually the brokers 
uh, edged their forecasts up a few weeks before this. So it seems to me it's probably over the worst now, Saga, and it is still profitable. And providing it remains profitable, the bank covenants, which are actually, it's not drawn down the bank facility at all, but the bank covenants link to the bond covenants, as I uh, only discovered fairly recently from talking to our, our resident bond expert. So um, on my podcast, uh, which you can look back and have a, have a listen to, that's quite interesting if you wish. Uh, now, um, it's, it's got a very high depreciation charge on Saga, so with, with, with no additional capex, it should be generating quite good quite good uh, cash flow, um, although that wasn't particularly in evidence in this year. Now, Cruise and Travel are doing well now. That, they're coming back nicely, and that's really the bull case on this share, isn't it? Uh, some challenges in the insurance division. I think it's turned a corner. Amazing recovery in the shares. They bottomed out, Saga shares bottomed out around 75p, and they're now about pound eighty. So people who stuck with it have done very, very well. I actually only had a tiny position left in it, because I, I've mentioned before I closed my SpreadX account, so, which was where the bulk of my positions were. I just don't want to be using gearing at all going forwards. Um, lesson finally learned after over 20 years of, uh, of making millions and losing millions, and you know, I just don't want to live that roller coaster life anymore. I'd rather do slow and steady, uh, owning physical shares outright now, so you don't have to worry about margin calls or profit warnings. But anyway, that's by the by. The point with Saga is, I did have a tiny scrap of them left, and I sold them at about one pound fifty. Uh, they've now gone up to one eighty, so uh, never mind. But I did put them into something else that's gone up a similar or slightly higher percentage, actually, one disco. So, which is which is speculative, but there we go. So, it doesn't really matter, does it? If you sell before something peaks, if you put it into something else that's gone up then it's fine. Uh, I'm only keeping a tiny little spread bed account, a uh, third one, which is now the only one, just to, to use as a little slush fund for when you occasionally uh, want to have a holiday or something. So uh, that's the idea with that. Now, Wandisco, funnily enough, coming on to that, another contract win, $9 million. Just this flurry of, of quite sizable contract wins of this is very, very interesting. The market cap is nuts, though. I think it's up to about $800 million. But the interesting thing with this is the shareholder register includes canny investor Richard Griffiths, who's been buying. Uh, it's not just a historic holding of his. He increased his stake. If you look back at the RNSs, I think it was as recently as December. So I think where you have a very canny, very shrewd investor, or several of them actually, in a, a, a speculative stock, it's not a good idea to bet against them. Something very, very interesting is happening at One Disco. And I remember years ago, uh, a, a, quite a, a senior guy at HSBC uh, invited me in for a chat and a coffee, and he mentioned One Disco, funnily enough, and said, it's the real deal, it just hasn't come through in the figures yet. That was five, six, seven years ago. Um, <coughs> but the, there's... There's credible backers behind this thing. Um, I've no idea how to value it. I'm just riding the wave at the moment with Wandisco, and I actually bought some more for my SIP this week as well. Totally speculative, but, you know, you can't ignore those major contracts with big clients. Something interesting is going on there. Um, no idea how to value it. Next, Graham looked at Senior. Trading update, he's, a, he's amber on this one. Although it was ahead of expectations, the update. So I think maybe uh, that could have been borderline with green. 
Uh, Akrol, Graham looked at. He's red on that, so am I. We just don't rate it, Akrol. Although I would emphasise with a red rating on that, we're not saying it's, uh, you know, in danger of going bust or anything. We're just, Graham's a bit more aggressive with his colour coding than I am. <laughs> uh, Smith News, I looked at. I'm green on that one. We've liked the turnaround at Smith News, S-N-W-S, for quite a long time, actually, and been proven correct on that one, which is nice to see a turnaround happening. Super low PE and great dividends still. There's no asset backing, but I'm still happy with Smith Smith News. It's doubled from the lows, so I think naturally there's some profit-taking going on. Cyan Canode. Now, I was red on this, but I've got amber on it because it's got away a placing of five and a quarter million and it was at a reasonable price, not a deep discount, 17p, which tells you, although it's only 5 million quid, it does at least tell you that the people backing it uh, believe in the story rather than sort of reluctantly putting in money to stop it going bust. Uh, so I wouldn't discount that. I mean, the figures are terrible on it. It's always a jam tomorrow thing. But they, they are saying they've got great con- big contracts. Uh, kicking in roundabout now so let's see i don't know i don't have a strong view either way personally uh, i'm not convinced but we'll see could could well be uh quite good now i liked mnc sarchi's update ticket s double a uh i'm green on this uh, surprisingly it's trading quite well Inline update, you would immediately think, wouldn't you, marketing PR companies do really bad in a downturn. But Saatchi's really impressed me, actually, during COVID. It did. It was surprisingly resilient during the worst part of the pandemic. Uh, and it's hit a, a, a record PBT for calendar 2022. I think that's worth a fresh look, Saatchi. And there was all that kerfuffle with Vin Maria with her sort of failed takeover bid a while back as well so i think the valuation's appealing on sarchi so have a look at that one obviously if you want to do your own research on it and i've only i only skim these things please remember that that's why they're never recommendations it's not just a disclaimer it's the truth we do, you know we don't have the time to look into these things in enough detail to be able to give recommendations and we don't want to give recommendations you know how many times do i have to say this i don't want to recommend anything you know, the whole ethos of Stockopedia is everyone doing your own research. That's what's that's what's enjoyable, isn't it, about it all, really? We're just flinging dozens and dozens of ideas at you and saying, have a look at this, have a look at that, and then make your own choices. Sorry, went on a bit of a rant there. City Pub, Graham looked at. He's amber on that. So that was Tuesday. OK, on to Thursday, uh, the 25th of January. Uh, I looked at a few stragglers again the night before, which was Starfline, trading update, 55 million market cap. Now, this was one of those things where the, you, you look at the, the the highlights and you think, oh, this is a good update. Maybe this share's worth buying. It says they're going to make, what was it? I forget the exact figure. Uh, yeah, um, underlying operating profit for calendar 2022 at Starfline, STAF. Uh, guided at 11.6 million, which is up 13% on 2021. That becomes 9 million profit before tax. Not bad, but it's also moved into a net cash position. It's one of these things that the deeper you look, you rapidly go off it. And I actually ended up marking it red because the trouble, the trouble is, yes, it traded OK in 2022, but it's doing nearly a billion revenues. And a lot of the revenues are passed through wages of the uh, the temps that it uh, puts into its its clients. 
Uh, so negligible margins. The profit margin, I think, is only about 1%, if that. But the trouble is, the brokers then, it said, oh, 2023 is going to be more challenging. But when you went to the broker forecast, they've absolutely axed profits for 2023 by about half. So this is a, effectively a profit warning, isn't it, for 2023? I, I absolutely hate it when companies... PR these announcements to sound all upbeat and positive, and then they're sneaking out a huge reduction in profit forecast through the brokers. It's not right. Uh, and, and deceives people. It isn't, you know, and it's the little guys who don't necessarily have access to the broker notes who think, oh, this sounds positive, let's buy some more. Then they find out over the next, you know, week or two that actually everything's being guided down significantly. I just think Staffline is a low-quality business. Not a disaster, though. Uh, I mean, it almost went bust, I think, during the pandemic. But they've done, I think, at least two emergency fundraisings that have propped it up. Claims to have a strong balance sheet. It isn't. You take off the intangibles and the balance sheet is negligible net assets. So, again... Um, I don't like the whole way that company communicates, and I just don't think it's a, a good business at all. So why why get involved? Right, SureSurf Green. I'm green on SureSurf. S U R. I keep getting the ticker wrong. It's not Sure S U R E. That's a different company. It's just S U R. I must remember that. Uh, good growth in revenues and profits. I quite like this. Graham's um, more cautious on it. Uh, I think the valuation's reasonable. It's got sticky contracts big order book it is quite low margin it does um sort of heating contractual heating um systems servicing and repairs for uh public sector clients and housing associations and so on local councils but it seems to be uh, focusing on that niche and doing pretty well the balance sheet's okay with sure serve as well those public sector clients tend to be good payers they pay promptly and often up front so it's it's got a nice bit of cash uh sitting there sure so yeah i quite like sure serve not the most exciting business in the world but it looks good value i think i've got a feeling christopher mills is all over that one i think i remember he said he liked that in a um, recent webinar. And Christopher Mills, obviously incredibly shrewd, not somebody to bet against. Uh, Pebble Beach Systems trading update. I've been nervous about this one in the past. It's tiny. It's only 10 million, so we'll keep this brief. Uh, (coughs) Because it's really seriously overstretched with bank debt. Um, But it's chipping away at it. Each time they report, the bank debt comes down. And actually, it's trading okay, and the current year um, forecast for 2022, calendar 2022, was 1.7 million adjusted profit before tax. Well, that's about three. That's a third of the bank debt, which is still a little bit on the high side. But I think it's it's profitable enough for the bank. You know, if I was the bank manager, I'd just say, yeah, I'll go with it. I'll run with this because they're chipping away at the debt. And they can always do a placing at some point, maybe a smallish placing. So I think Pebble Beach Systems, I'm, I've gone from red previously to amber on that. I can see why people quite like that. Like with, As with a lot of these small software companies, the challenge is going to be, can they really hit some big contracts and scale the business up significantly? If they can, then you've got a multi-bagger on your hand potentially. Uh, so, yeah, I'm warming to Pebble Beach as the finances improve. Now, <coughs> what else did we look at on uh, Wednesday, 25th of Jan? OK, uh, Graham looked at CMC. This is the spread betting outfit. He likes that. Oh, one of mine that I hold personally, I think it's my third largest 
personal holding is XP Factory, XPF. Uh, there's a speculative element to this, but it's actually an extremely rapid rollout of experiential leisure. So these are bars which have, um, well, bars and, well, it's escape rooms. Half the business is escape rooms. Doesn't sound madly exciting, but you look at the numbers and they're actually very good. Uh, generating 35% EBITDA margin and they don't need to be refreshed. They've, um, they haven't refreshed any of them. They've been going five years because you only need, I think Richard Harpham, the CEO, I think he said that you only need about 80, 80 customers Oh, what was it, per day or per week? I can't remember exactly, but it's not very many customers you need. And they're sited in biggish towns and cities where, you know, um, you just have a continuous flow of new customers coming in. Uh, yeah, what were they saying? Oh, yes, it was an in-line-with-expectations update for 2022. 2.6 million adjusted EBITDA. It's now... Uh, uh, so it's now cash generative, which is really, really good. That does translate to a loss at the PBT level, 0.8 million. Uh, but this is very much work in progress. This is an early stage business that done a phenomenally quick rollout of the Boom Battle Bars, which is the bit of the business that really interests me. I've mystery shopped it and it's very good format. Customers love it. Look on TripAdvisor. It's five star reviews galore. Apart from, you know, the occasional person who goes on goes on there to whinge about something. But that's what TripAdvisor's for, isn't it? What I look for is lots of five-star reviews and some one-star reviews. Then you know it's genuine. Um, <clears throat> from difficult customers who probably turned up pissed and were rude to people and whatever, and then give a one-star review. That's... Uh... <laughs> that's a lot of it i think anyway xp factory yeah i think that's going well interesting concept there is risk there but it's got a bit of net cash i'd like to have a bit i had a a 10 minute q a catch up with the ceo uh yeah he seems pretty happy about everything um uh yeah he said yes we'd prefer to have more cash but actually we can just run the business for cash uh, and we've got a good, strong pipeline of new sites and with optionality. They can just push the button on any of the pipeline of sites whenever they feel like it. The, <coughs> the, land, the, the fit out on these things, the boom battle bars, is about 800 grand. But the landlords cough up 500k of that in really big reverse premiums. And they're picking up a whole bunch of prime um, <coughs> retail sites just at the right time in the cycle, I think. And the head leases the, uh, are all with, with XP Factory itself. Uh, and then a lot of them are franchised below. But if the franchisee doesn't pay the franchise fees, they can just, they can just kick them out and take over running the site um, themselves. That's never been done, and uh, Richard doesn't think it will be. But it's, it's a good uh, lever to pull uh, in extremis. So, yeah, I, I accept there's a speculative element to XP Factory. Bars are really, really unpopular with investors right now, rightly so. Um, but it's so bloody difficult to make any money from bars right now, isn't it? <clears throat> so I totally understand why some people want to eschew that sector altogether. But I do think XP Factory is unique and it's the only way in the, in, in the stock market you can play this experiential le- leisure niche, which is a big niche. And I think it's going to do really, really well because going to bars and just standing around chatting, it's so boring generally. Whereas going on an organised night out with a group 
to XP Factory and playing all these games that are pre-booked. The axe throwing is really good fun, really popular. The augmented reality darts is brilliant. Shuffleboard looks looks crap, but, but people love it. It's really exciting. Well, no, no, it's not exciting, but it's it's engaging. People love it. I've I've mystery shopped it, and I've seen that the customers really enjoy the experience. I take the point that the same customers may want, not necessarily want to go back there over and over and over, but they've got huge screens playing football. They do nice, nice-ish cocktails. Uh, and the Heineken Silver was really, really good on draft, I have to say. Anyway, I'm sorry I'm rambling, but I do think uh, XP Factory's got a lot of potential, so I like that share a lot, and I have added to my position. Now we've had an inline update for 2022. I think risk is receding now the business is, has done this massive rollout. But there are some teething problems with some of the games, as I discovered when I mystery shopped them. But they can iron that out. And I told the CEO uh, that, and he said, we know, we're dealing with it, you know, there are, we're all over it, we're our own biggest critics, he said, so we know we can do things better, and we're constantly improving, which is exactly what you want to hear, isn't it? Right, next, uh, Pendragon, uh, Graham was amber on that one, Vanel, Graham's amber on that one. Uh, now, I've got a mystery share on Wednesday's 25th of January's report. Um, I'm green on this one. It was actually a reader request, which I followed up on, and I think it's really, really good, and I bought some personally. So uh, with my cash pile that I've just uh, cashed in from selling my Seraphine shares, Bump, B-U-M-P, the 200% premium takeover bid there, has given my portfolio a really, really nice shot uh, shot in the arm. So that's the mystery share on Wednesday. Oh, finally, Phonics, FNX. It's expensive, but I'm still green on it because uh, the solid... Update for 2022 was published, and I think there's a, good, a lot of good stuff in the Outlook sections as well, which I've said here, I do think that justifies the high valuation on Phonics. In particular, they're talking about international expansion without having to increase their overheads. Well, that's music to my ears, if they can pull that off. And it's icing on the cake, really. There were quite a few we didn't get around to looking at. Inland Homes down 30%. That looks a total disaster, doesn't it? We, um, I commented a, a while ago on that. that I've, ne- I've, I've always thought the previous CEO of that was an absolute clown. Uh, you know, how can you not make money in a 15-year bull market in residential house building? Uh, but he managed to destroy shareholder value. It's a total fool. We, um, we met him at an AGM years ago and... Just thought this guy's useless. Anyway, um, <clears throat> the new CEO walked for, uh, after only a few weeks in the job, which we flagged up in the small cap value reports and said, you know, you need to steer well clear of this, I think. And uh, anyway, um, the latest news from it is horrendous. It's either going to go bust or um, be a multi-bagger from the current level. So there might be some speculative element to Inland Homes. I personally, I'm not interested in, in risking any money on it. Uh, yes, so that was Wednesday. Right, on to Thursday, 26th of Jan. I'm almost out of time, so I've rambled a bit on uh, XPF. So, right, uh, mystery share on Thursday. I'm really keen on this one. So uh, see Thursday's report for that. And I have been buying personally, I hasten to add, with my my new cash pile is rapidly burned, well, has rapidly burned a hole in my pocket. I've spent nearly all of it. Although I'm trying to keep one standard position size in cash just so I can move quickly when I see interesting opportunities, which are cropping up nearly every day at the moment. 
There's so many interesting updates. Now, Inspects reported, SPEC. Now, I only went amber on this because it said it, it was only an inline update with in line with lowered expectations after a really bad profit warning um, a few months ago. But uh, I've said here it is cutting costs and could be a turnaround. The market's gone gone, gone mad, mad for it. It's up... It rose 31% on the day on, a, on an inline update and continued rising uh, on Friday. So I don't understand what people, why people have suddenly gone so bullish on inspects. But anyway, there we are. People have. Uh, the bank covenants are relaxed, no dividends and a new factory to be built. So people are obviously betting on a turnaround there. Good luck to you. I think, um, well, we'll see what happens. Ritala, ROL, this was one of my top picks for 2023. I'm pleased to see uh, a significant tender offer was announced there uh, at uh, a a good premium. So there's been a 59% profit to be had on that this year to date for the shares that you tender. And they're buying back about a third of the their own shares. So that is an interesting share, I think. I also looked at Fintel, FNTL. This used to be simply Biz. I'm Amber on this. I think there's some quite uh, good uh, aspects to this business model. Lots of recurring subscription revenues. Uh, it provides business services to financial advisors and so on, and collects in lots of small subscription fees by offering um, a very worthwhile advisory service um, with re- relating to compliance and so on. So I do like that business. Don't see it as particular value on 17 times. Um, it's got this massive bank facility as well available for acquisitions. Not too keen on that, although it does seem to have done quite good acquisitions in the past. I just think the bank borrowing facility looks oversized. So Fintel, FNTL, I think really the crux to that is will they use that 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 bank those bank borrowings which haven't been drawn down at all it's unused at the moment if they draw that down and make good acquisitions that could really add shareholder value but that's what it hinges on they've got to make good acquisitions so hmm. Argentex AGFX I'm amber on this this is all these these forex dealers are doing fantastically well at the moment um <clears throat> It's a bit of a confusing update from Argentex, but it seems to be ahead of expectations. Uh, yeah, all these dealers, all these FX dealers are doing great. So it's a sector move rather than a company-specific move. Um, I think I decided that Argentex looked reasonable value on the current forecast. Can't remember. Animal Care, ANCR, I'm amber on that. Don't really see the appeal of the shares, but nothing particularly bad about it. Slightly below expectations, trading update. Now, Eurocell, I like this one. I'm green on this one. It did drop 4% on a trading update for calendar 2022. It's expecting softer markets in 2023. These are This is building products, things like... Um, it makes and distributes things like double glazing and windows and doors and so on. It's vertically integrated. It's got its own distribution depots selling direct to um, the trade and the public. Uh, it's it's cut some costs. I'm going to buy some of these Eurocell shares at some point. i just not convinced now's the right time. As building products companies generally are seeing a slowdown. The, and they're all telling us that. It's obvious, isn't it? Because new builds, house builders are reigning in their new builds. And they've had a two-year boom during the pandemic from people updating their homes. So <coughs> 2023 is, is going to be a, a leaner year. So it seems to me it might be better to just hold fire on my buying that one. 
I've also commented commented briefly on Axis Technologies, uh, Empresaria, and Foxtons. Foxtons uh, is doing seems to be quite promising, but they're also saying obviously 2023 is going to be a slower year. So quite like Foxtons, but I don't see any particular rush to buy into that one. Now on Friday, poor old Graham was struck down on Thursday with a neck injury, and he's in a lot of pain. So get well soon, um, Graham. And uh, he came up with a great idea of roping in Roland, who came to my rescue on Friday. Uh, uh, Or was it Thursday? No, it was Friday. So Roland very kindly covered um, four backup items, uh, backlog items rather, that Graham had had wanted to cover the previous day. Um, So Strix, Kettle, K-E-T-L rather, is the ticker he's amber on that one uh provident financial pfg roland was green on that rank rnk roland's amber on that one as am i hargree it's amazing how with roland graham and, and myself we nearly always agree on practically every share and it's not groupthink we just have the same sort of value stroke gop um, mindset and way of analysing these things. So we nearly always agree. I'm probably a little bit more bullish on, on some shares. They're a bit more cautious than me, I think. But I'm just probably, that's just me, isn't it? I'm, I'm a little bit excitable and over the top. You know, that's just who I am. Anyway, uh, Hargreaves Services HSP. I think that's good. I think that was on either my top or my runners-up. No, I think it was on my top list watch list for 2023 so i'm glad roland looked at those results because i've not had time uh yeah he quite likes it he's green on on hargreaves services as am i uh so those were the backlog items oh and i looked at watkin jones wjjg um this is a stock i hold personally i'll always disclose if i own something personally i think it's good i was watching the buchanan communications analyst webinar and company presentation that is available online through Buchanan. You just have to put your email address and name in, and, and then you can watch the video of it. Really, really interesting. Uh, I'm a lot more comfortable with this one because obviously it's a property developer. So, but but they do it off balance sheet. This is the thing: they forward sell the projects usually before they start building them. So it's a very different business model. Much lower. Uh, risk shares have absolutely crashed um i'm i'm a buyer at the current level but i think you've got to be a bit careful because they are warning that h1 2023 will be soft and it's going to be h2 weighted um and their and their their building margins are going to be lower so the analyst presentation is very very transparent but people i think when the interim results come out and it says, oh, you know, the profits are going to be well down, but we're expecting an H2 waiting. I think people, uh, that could cause the shares to sell off later this year, temporarily, I think. So I want to keep some powder dry with Watkin Jones so that I can buy um, later this year when the interim figures probably disappoint people who have not been paying attention uh, in that the company is guiding for lower H1 results. But uh, the, the, you often get a knee-jerk reaction by the market makers to mark the figures down, the share price down by 30%, uh, 
because they don't want to get you know on 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 the bad results, and that's where you hit the market with a buy order on the opening bell. And uh, sometimes it works great if you know the company is a really good company, and obviously if you're just doing it blind on some speculative rubbish, it can be a disaster. So I think you know buying on bad news, you've really got to know the company inside out before doing that. That's my view. I've I've learned that the hard way. I lost a load of money years ago on a thing called TMN. I just read the highlights and thought that looks amazing. I must have been doing well on my spread account at the time, as I bought a quarter of a million quid's worth of shares, and it ended up. I think it ended up going bust eventually, but I I got absolutely stretched off on that one. And that was actually one of the things that motivated me to research pretty much the entire small caps market when I launched the small cap value reports in 2012. I thought I never again want to just buy something speculatively without knowing the company inside out or, well, no, knowing the company at least well enough to be able to spot the duds. Uh, Has that... (laughs) Have I been able to execute that perfectly? No. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's work in progress. The, 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 what I love about this is we're just constantly learning, aren't we? Nobody, uh, and you have to learn from your mistakes if you're me. Um, and it's thrilling and losses happen. Losses happen. If you can't go with losses, you shouldn't be in this game. That's my view else was there oh yeah on the beach otb uh I, i'm amber on this currently because it's doubled in price we were bullish on this share back in october november last year because i checked back and readers were flagging it to me and says what do you think about this paul and i said i think it was 95p i said i think this looks really interesting in valuation terms it's now doubled to about one pound 90 but i think it's still um I think it's still actually reasonable value. Uh, Very strong update. 68% growth in bookings announced for Q1, which was October to December. It's obviously spending a lot more on marketing. So, And it dodged telling us anything about profitability. I hate that. You know, trading updates need to specifically say whether you're trading in line, ahead or below market expectations for profit. With an asterisk, footnote, we believe market expectations is 12 million profit or whatever. So many companies are doing that now. It's best practice. It's transparent. Every company should do it. If companies just dodge that, and I've been told that some brokers, I won't name and shame them, maybe I will at some point in the future, but some brokers actually cross out uh, when management put that those footnotes in and say no no you you can't put that out you can and you should so if your broker tells you not to be transparent with the market sack them get a new broker in i know that's uh, something i always go on about maybe i'm getting too strident but it really pisses me off it's you know, trading updates need to tell us how the company is trading not just give us a load of general waffle anyway uh, what's now? Ah, super dry. S D R Y. Now, Rhomboid One, who's brilliant. I've known him for years, and he's he's a great uh, investor and really good to follow on on Twitter. He he's invented a new verb, and it's to be dunkertoned. <laughs> The CEO and founder of Superdrive is obviously Julian Dunkerton. He's super bullish all the time. His his enthusiasm is infectious, which is great. You know, that's what you need when you're a CEO of a fashion business. You need to energise and excite people, particularly when it's losing money, as Superdrive is now. Now, uh, it put out um, a profit warning for April 2023, which is based entirely on the wholesale business, seriously underperforming. Year-to-date orders down 18%. 
And for the last nine weeks, wholesale orders are down 57%, which is terrible. But as he said in the webinar, where I was at definite risk of being Dunkertoned, because I did... (laughs) I did come away feeling a lot more positive about it, or less negative. But having slept on it, I think the negatives um, are so significant that you can't ignore them. You know, if you if you if you if you look at slide eleven on the um, on the pack on the slide deck that's available on on Superdry's website, slide eleven shows that um, a forex gain. I think it was about seventeen million or something. Um, more than that actually it's forex gains took them from a loss of about 31 million to a loss of about 14 million so without that favorable forex movement the loss would have been horrendous and that's clearly shown in a profit bridge on slide 11 h1 is the weaker half though and they do um, the stores and online did trade well reasonably well over christmas dunkerton's very very excited about that uh, and he said they're working hard to fix the wholesale business. But I want to know what's gone wrong in the wholesale business. They say it's, oh, we weren't attentive enough towards clients, and he's actually put the head of retail in to run wholesale now, to interact much, much closer with the big retail clients. That makes sense to me, but we'll see. I mean, if if wholesale orders are up to for up to a year ahead, well, that tells me that the wholesale customers don't rate... Um, the summer and maybe the autumn stock packages that Superdry's put out there for them to buy. If they're not ordering them in the quantity, you know, Dunkerton says, oh, well, you know, they don't realise how well the brand is now selling at retail level. But that was for the what's now the last season stock. Um, and the wholesale customers are not buying the next season stock in in anywhere near sufficient quantity. So I do have concerns over Superdry. Also, read the audit reports, which I covered in uh, October in a Stockopedia article about this. I went through the annual reports. It's horrendous. They uh, Basically, the accounts de- department hasn't got a clue what it's doing, it seems. Over years, this is not recent, uh, it's got no controls over uh, stocks or trade creditors which means there could be all sorts of horrors lurking in within inventories. And that's why the auditor resigned. It nearly went bust when the bank pulled uh, the bank facilities, but it managed to get... Uh, they sailed really close to the wind, but they did get new bank facilities in place. So fair enough, Supertry now is much lower risk. Now it's got proper bank facilities. But people are taking a hell of a risk with this share. I don't think it's... Well, no, that's not fair. Now it's got the bank funding in place. It's probably okay for the next year and a bit. But it is a loss-making business uh, now. And... um, uh, with no real control over its stock and its creditors, um, which is scary because that means probably at some point you get a whacking great write-off. And they're still clearing old stock through TK Maxx. They admitted that in the webinar. That's why the gross margin is 3% lower. You know, they're they're dribbling out all the, the dead stock. Actually, I might go to TK Maxx today and have a look and see if there are any bargains in there but i think again super um dunkerton believes his own pr and thinks that product's great and it's really good value it's not it's really expensive so you've got to get the 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 designs spot on and the brand image spot on for the young trendy customers to want to buy it as opposed to pot-bellied middle-aged men like me who seem to be uh seem to like super dry stock but i'm certainly not prepared to pay i'm wearing a super dry hoodie at the moment actually 55 quid it was you know you could get something essentially the same 
slightly inferior fabric maybe in in Primark for about 15 quid or a tenner which I'm much more comfortable with I'm more of a Primark man I have to say um anyway that's super dry I'm amber on it at the moment but I think I'm I don't know sorry I lost control of my mouth there uh quick comments on treat t-e-t I'm amber on that Inline training update, it needs to really smash the forecast to justify the current uh, valuation, TREAT does, but it says capacity is going to double from this new factory. So that's the upside, isn't it? If you think the new factory is going to rapidly fill with, with new orders, turnover leaps, profits will go through the roof. So I can see the appeal of TREAT, but it's uh, there's too much guesswork involved. Motor point, horrible profit warning, it's only at break even now, MOTR, shares didn't budge. So shareholders are obviously in that for the long run. Uh, I think why buy Motor Point when it's not making any money at all uh, when the traditional car dealers are, um, are are coining it in at the moment and have great asset backing. Motor Point isn't making any profit and it hasn't got any asset backing. So on the basis of the numbers, I think Motor Point looks pretty awful at the moment, actually. But all these things like Kazoo and Cinch probably are going to disappear, I think. Loads and loads of online-only challenger Firms, which will then leave Motorpoint with that uh, budget online uh, car supermarket operation market largely to itself. (laughs) We got the hiccup. So, yeah, I can see the interest in Motorpoint actually. First time I looked at this one, Stellrad, S R A D. Uh, Amber, recent, or 2021 float, so obviously it's crashed, but. A broadly a nine update and this looks a nicely profitable substantial business so uh, but it also it's building supplies as the name implies it supplies radiators i'm wondering if there's a structural decline in that market i don't know i haven't looked into it um, because you know going forward people might be buying heat pumps rather than gas-fired radiators so i don't know stellrad you'd need to look into really the structure of of its markets on that one i think so a lot of research needed it says 2023 is going to be challenging as well uh avon protection put out an inline update um but uh, it looks too expensive to me on current forecasts all right that's the individual companies we haven't really got any time for macro now, I've looked through my notes. There's really nothing earth-shattering there that we haven't covered before. So I'm going to just finish with a quote from a book, an audio book I've really enjoyed recently called... Uh, it's by Guy Hans, the uh, private equity supremo of Terra Firma, um, who bought EMI and has done all sorts of deals. Uh, it's called The Dealmaker. Uh, it's a really interesting read because on a personal level, he goes into a lot of detail about his upbringing and his the challenges he's faced in life from being uh, dyslexic and um it's it's it it's one of those fascinating biographies where people are really brutally honest about their own failings as well as their own successes and kudos to him for that because you know when a billionaire admits to their failings and so on i think that's uh, you know it's very very educational for all of us here's a quote from it which i thought was fascinating and has great read across for us he's talking about management of companies that he's um, his private equity firm have invested in he says don't get into a comfortable relationship with them you need to challenge 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 management uh, every management team believes is doing a good job if things go wrong it's always someone else's fault I've never had a, mem- a member of management say, I'm sorry, guy, I mucked up. It just doesn't happen. For the most part, they have no sense of risk. 
only of upside. No sense of risk, only of upside. Isn't that interesting? You can give them incentives, but there's no real alignment of goals. If business is successful, they get paid well on the exit. If the biz exit, if the business struggles, most private equity, equity owners will just pay the existing team well for them to stay on. So, so, so there's someone there to pick up the pieces. That's not to say management don't work hard or don't care, but they're on their own side, not yours. They tend to believe their own propaganda. Hence why private equity firms have to constantly challenge, challenge, challenge. Isn't that brilliant? I think we should all take that on board. And when we're uh, talking to management and on asking questions on webinars, it's not our job to, to become mates with them and to be all friendly, which is uh, an ever-present risk whenever you talk to management. Uh, you've got to be sceptical and challenge, challenge, challenge. Right, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you to for subscribers to Stockopedia. You know, we're very grateful. And we had one guy come back this week. He said he didn't renew. Uh, and after two months, he was missing it so much, he came back. I wish I could remember his name, but welcome back. And that was I was absolutely delighted to hear that. So, uh, and hopefully, um, yes. Right, I'm waffling now. I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. Bye.